The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about criminal identity theft, and this is absolutely the worst type of identity theft. If you can imagine someone thinking that you're a criminal and arresting you. And this is exactly what has happened to this wonderful man that I got to know. I've known him for probably over a year now. And let me tell you a little bit about Stephen Eccles. He was a victim, or he still is a victim of criminal identity theft. He tried to fix it, and uh, it has just plagued his life. And you'll hear this story from him. But let me tell you a little bit about his background. Stephen Eccles was born in Linwood, California, and he was uh, never got in trouble with the police or any any in law and law enforcement or anything like that until of course this evil twin came into his life and um, he attended private schools Catholic schools in 1981 he joined the United States Air Force as a maintenance data systems analyst and then he had tours of uh, in Texas Illinois and even in South Korea in 1992, he was part of a downsizing effort of base closures, and then he separated from the Air Force, but he had an honorable discharge. Then in 1993, he was employed by the Department of Veteran Affairs in West L.A. at the VA Medical Center. And then he, he attended ITT Technical Institute in their Electronics Engineering Technology Program in 1997, where he received an Associate of Science degree and graduated with the highest honors in 1999. Then after graduation, he gained employment as a field service technician with Sure Electric Company, Inc., working at the Los Angeles International Airport. And he provided maintenance and repair on at that location until September 11th, the tragedy of 2001. And so they had airport closures, as you know. He decided to return to college, and he went back to ITT Technical Institute and completed his Bachelor's of Science degree in Information Systems Security, again with the highest honors in 2004. Then he started to work for InVision Technologies, which is now the name of the company is Morpho Detection, Inc. In September 2004, as a field a service engineer, he provided maintenance and repair on the Explosive Detection Systems, EDS, and his primary mission was to ensure the safety and security of all passengers flying from Los Angeles Airport to other locations and to prevent explosive devices to be carried on board via luggage. So he had previously learned, uh, or actually during this time that he worked for Morpho, he learned that he was a victim of criminal identity theft, when they did a background check, but he was able to find out 
about how to fix it. He got a judicial clearance. He dealt with the police. He thought everything was great. And, uh, and so he got his clearance and he was able to get his badge and he continued working. Then, after passing several background checks, he thought everything was resolved. After working for Morpho for eight years, he was required by the Transportation Security Administration to do another background check, and he thought everything was going to be fine. He completed the online background check, and lo and behold, all of the old false felony convictions were on there. They did not belong to him, and he immediately took action. Morpho itself knew that he had been a victim of identity theft. They did nothing to help him with TSA. And so, unfortunately, he was terminated on March to th- in March 2010 based on the criminal identity theft. And they thought he was a liar, that he lied, that he didn't have any felony convictions, but really these belonged to his evil twin. So after that happened, uh, Stephen was smart enough to ask for the background check. He did a Freedom of Information Act request from TSA, and to date, he still doesn't have that background check. According to the Fair Credit Reporting Act, you are supposed to be able to get a copy of a background check when you're denied employment based on a background check, and even the government should, that should happen with the government, and he wasn't able to get the background check from Morpho either. So he came to me, I was trying to help him to get this background check, and Subsequently, there was a lawsuit filed, and he filed this lawsuit with John Fallett of uh, San Ramon, and this lawsuit is against Morpho and uh, Homeland Security, and this is because they refused to comply with the, the uh, not only the Fair Credit Reporting Act, but TSA refused to comply with the Freedom of Information Act, and He has been unable to get a job since, all based on criminal identity theft. So if you can imagine how heart-wrenching this is and how really unfair this is. So I asked Stephen to come on the show and tell his story because this can happen to you just like it happened to him. So, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. And again, thank you so very much, Amari, for allowing me to this opportunity to uh, talk to you on the phone. Great. So, Stephen, why don't you tell my audience, how did you learn that you had, you know, originally, how did you learn that you were a victim of identity theft? Well, originally I learned, Mari is in, I believe it was 1999 when I was still attending college. Uh, I came home from uh, school one day, and the detective from a local police uh, station a police department, I'm sorry, left a business card on my door and asked me to contact them. And, of course, I didn't know anything what it was about, so I went down there, no problem. And uh, the detective there, he showed me a picture of six individuals, and he asked me, did I know any of these people? And one of the people I did know, it was a person who I grew up with, and I pointed the gentleman out, and uh, that's when the detective then told me that he believed I was a victim of criminal identity theft, and this is the very first time I've ever heard of it. Mm. So uh, who is this guy who did this to you? Why don't you tell us about him and what what happened to you as a kid? Okay, what it is is he was, uh, you know, we grew up together as children. Uh, he grew up two doors down from my house. Uh, basically, he was my, what I would call my personal bully. Um <laughs> He did all kinds of, I mean, from spitting on me to doing all kinds of really bad things. Uh, he was kind of like terrorizing the neighborhood and things like that. I believe, you know, he was into a lot of illicit activities and stuff like that. 
And uh, like I said, so I grew up with him from 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 birth basically until uh, I turned 18. And then once I turned 18, I left to join the Air Force, which then I thought he would be out of my life forever. And he wasn't, was he? Unfortunately, ma'am, no. Okay, so what did you do when you first learned that you were a victim? Well, let's talk about that. When you first learned and what did you do? Okay, what it is, I was working at the, at the airport there um, as, the, uh, as a technician, and I was working night shifts. So the, the detective originally told me how to go around with what you call a wrong man card, which I understand now is the judicial uh, clearance. So after working all night, I would go to downtown Los Angeles and try to get a judge to hear uh, my, my, my plight, my case. Fortunately, I was able to find, uh, through their public defender's office, I was able to get a public defender to uh, set up on the calendar to hear my case. Once I presented it to the judge, which was all of two minutes, the judge just looked up at me and said, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to separate you two because this gentleman might want to use my name later on in life. And that was it. Mm. So what did you do about that? Well, what I did about that, eventually what happened is, I believe several months later, a, a, a mutual acquaintance had told me that he, I'm sorry, the gentleman was arrested. And uh, I went on down to the courthouse where they had him in shackles and everything, and I went down in my uniform. And um, the judge, that judge, this is in 2000, 1999 or 2000, um, gave, issued me a judicial clearance right there based upon that case. And so he did it. Wait a second. So Stephen, right while he was there in shackles, he gave you. <laughs> you're standing there, the guys in shackles, and you got the judicial clearance. I exactly. Oh, oh I, wow! I, you didn't. You never told me that. <laughs> I'll tell you how convoluted it is. <laughs> they would call his name, right? But I would have to stand up. Oh my gosh! Well, that's crazy. You weren't using his name. No, not at all. Not at all. Mm. Not at all. So they issued me the judicial clearance as, how can I put this, as like Joe Public in a sense. I'm thinking it's done. It's, it's, you know, I have this piece of paper that whenever I need to present it, it will be sufficient enough to clear me of this. Obviously, th this was not true. Right. So let's talk about the crimes that Keith committed and, you know, what he did and how that's affecting, you know, how that is, um, you know, on your record. Sure. The, the initial crime, I believe he did, was something to do with, with terrorist threats or stalking or something like that. Okay, so I, terrorist threats is pretty scary when you're working in, a, in an airport that you're trying to prevent terrorism. I mean, exactly. that's, that's like the worst thing you could have on this record, right? <laughs> exactly. And, 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 the, and the irony behind it is how can I have this, uh, this charge on my record but still work at a federal campus, a federal institution, which is an airport? Right. So, you know, that, that part was, was really great. Anyway, so what, so wait, the, when the, was that? Do you remember what year that one was, that first that, one? That one, I believe, was 1999. Okay. Now, the sad part about this, the, I didn't know this gentleman was on the run. He was on the lam. Realized I'm going to college every day, and I'm living in a specific residence. So what happened one day is I believe it was the sheriff that came to my house, and they arrested me. Yeah. And they took me to jail. 
that's another time when I found out that he stole my identity because I saw the indictment. And on the indictment, it had my name and a whole bunch of different variances of my name and the other gentleman's name. Sad to say, I had to sit in jail for five months oh, God. before they finally released me, which, which uh, thankfully my grandmother got the money to get me out. They finally released me to let me go. And I still had to do his probation. Oh, my gosh. Now, at that time, did you get a, a public defender? I mean, I don't remember you telling me all this, but he did you did they get you a public defender that, that they, you told them that it's criminal identity theft? They got me a public defender, and this, this lady, all she told me to do was sit down and shut up. That was basically verbatim what this oh, individual told me. no. Even though I'm sitting here... Kind of, if you notice what I'm saying, screaming at the top of my lungs in my mind, I'm not this person. I'm not this person. I'm not this person. And still, I mean, I did jail time. Oh, my gosh. When I got got out. And and at that time, I mean, you didn't think like, oh, my gosh, I had this terrible attorney who didn't listen to me. I got to get another attorney. I mean, what were you thinking? Well, what it is, we, we did get an attorney, but... His mission pretty much is just to get me out because they were trying to give me like 10 years. Oh, my gosh. For something that I was not aware of, something I didn't do. Oh. And also, Mari, I don't want to tell you this. They took me in when I was only two weeks away from getting my degree. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Two weeks away from getting my degree. I'm telling you, this is a great story for a movie. I mean, I've always told you that. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so so then what happened? You you got out after did they apologize? Oh, we had the wrong person or Of course not. Of course not. They didn't apologize. But what I did is is, is through my grit and determination, I went right back to college. Yeah. And I completed my uh I believe then associate degree. Well, and let me I ask went- you let me ask you another question kind of going back to this. When you were in uh jail for five months for what the other guy did right. um so at that point what what ended up on your record from that did they they did a dismissal or or what no. did they do what they what it ended up being is a conviction of some type of two felony convictions for these charges but what i did is when i got because you know attorneys are expensive or whatnot and it's hard to convince people about identity theft what I did, I took it upon myself, is I had the case uh, lowered to a misdemeanor, I had it expunged, and then I had it dismissed. Okay. Thinking that this would come off of my record, and I would just be able to go on with my life. Which obviously, obviously that wasn't... <laughs> yeah, right. that didn't work out either. I'm sorry. Right, right, right. Okay, so after, so what were the, the, so we had that offense, we had the one in 1999, and then what was the most recent offense? Okay, the most recent offense, okay, I'm sorry, there, there was two other ones, there was another one for some type of grand theft. I oh. don't know what it was. Yep. All I know is, is I was driving uh, to the store on, on uh, New Year's Day, yep. 2007, local police pulls me over. I remember I had the judicial clearance. Right. From 2000 or 1999, whatever. The police, they still took me to jail. They still impounded my vehicle. Even though you showed them your certificate of clearance? Even though I showed them the certificate of clearance. 
once they ran my live scan fingerprints. Yes. Then they released me. Then they took me to go get my vehicle for free out of their town and stuff like that. Okay, Only so I did. think, yeah, and I think, Stephen, what, for people listening who, who aren't familiar with this, a live scan is a, is a very detailed fingerprint that you put your fingers on this, you know, it almost looks like a, a Xerox machine or something, and they and you, you roll it, and then they can really see your fingerprints. And people don't know, but, you know, with the FBI, the database for the FBI is fingerprint-based. So yes, if you ever become a victim of criminal identity theft, you want to immediately give your live scan to show that you're not the person that was the, you know, arrested before. But exactly. if that person wasn't arrested before, that isn't going to really help you. But but for you, that was that was good that you did the live scan, and then they could say, oh, you're not that person, right? That is true, Mari. But see, the sad part, the down part about that is two weeks later upon release, yep. they mailed me a letter saying that I was just being detained. It was just a, a letter of detention. I did not realize that they documented it on my record as an arrest. Oh, no. <laughs> I was completely unaware of this. And at that point, if I'm not mistaken, this is 2007. This might have been the first time I informed my managers and everybody in my company about the criminal identity theft issue. So that was in 2007, and at that point you were working for Morpho, correct? Yes, yes ma'am. Okay, okay. So, and the third, and I'm yeah, sorry the, No, 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 go ahead. The third one? And the third one is some type of uh, a felon in possession of a firearm. Oh, dear. Realize, yes. I don't know anything about this, Mari. The last time I held a firearm, when I was in the United States military in the 80s. Right. I haven't even touched or never even bought or possessed a firearm, except in service of my country. Unbelievable. So that was the last one, correct? Yes, ma'am. All right. So, um, what what did you do? Did you go to the police for help? What what happened? How did the police help you? I know later, and not not right now, how the police has helped you. We can get to right. that in a few minutes. But right. what did the police do at the time to help you? I've gone to before this recent event. I've gone to four different police agencies. Two of the agencies are where the crimes actually were, I guess, charged or committed, or the jurisdiction or whatnot. They would not help me at all. I could not even get a simple, basic um, police report done. Even though I had the judicial clearances in my wallet, they had the gentleman in custody. They, they still wouldn't do anything for me. I can't believe you're calling him a gentleman. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm doing it with a lot of restraint. <laughs> I know, I know. All right, and so what help did you get from the courts? Anything else? Just that judicial clearance that day, right? Nothing else yes. from the courts? Back in 1999, 2000, 2000, I believe, I did receive the judicial clearance. And the irony behind it is right before I was terminated, see, this gentleman, he was on the lam for over a decade. Mm. He got caught right before they started this background process. Wait a minute. He got caught. What? When was this? In two thousand nine or two thousand ten? He got caught in, uh, I believe, around Thanksgiving two thousand nine. Okay. All right. And I learned again through a mutual acquaintance that he's in court. So I looked him up in, in the locator 
service, the, the sheriff's locator service, got his court date. I went to court, again, dressed in my uniform in my LAX badge. Mm. And I explained to the court everything, showed them the judicial clearance. They issued me, just issued me another judicial clearance, which also included this new charge that he had. This so you judge, have from two judges, you have a judicial clearance from two different judges. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Two different jurisdictions. Yes, ma'am. But so so they did that, and then did you? Since you knew what it had, it happened again. Did what happened? Did they tell you anything else to do? No. In fact, when I saw once I left that court, let me back up real quick. The judge stood up and he apologized to me for the judicial system. He was apologetic about how this has happened. At any rate, after I saw the judge, I went straight to the district attorney's office, and I said, I would like to file a police report. You know, the man is still in custody downstairs. You right. Can, we're both here. Yes. But she told me there was nothing she can do. That is so disgusting. That is so disgusting. So, oh, goodness. So then let's kind of keep going. And after you thought everything was okay after that, yes. I mean, you were hopeful that everything was okay, right? Yes, ma'am. And then you were working at Morpho again, correct? Yes, ma'am. And all right. So did did this issue come up? Uh, well, I guess that's when you had to take the TSA background check. How did that whole thing come about? Well, the TSA background check, if, I, if you don't mind, can I, I'm just going to back up a little bit. Sure. Realize I started, realize this very first incident happened in 1999, and I'm thinking it's taken care of. I started working for the Department of Airports, generally via Envision then, 2004. You still have to do the live scan. You still have to do the background. They did the background. The, 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 the incident did arise. I went to their badging office. I gave them my judicial clearance. I guess they did their own internal investigation, and I was clear they have a badge. I had a badge consistently for six years. Every year you have to renew your badge. Right. Okay, so you went through this again. So then what happened? So then, so, so then after that, um, I also had to be cleared through United States Customs. You get seals on your badge, which give you access to different areas of the airport. Right. United States Customs, same thing. Had to come in, show my judicial clearance, they let me go through. Also, I worked at, uh, at Reno Airport in Reno, Nevada. I got clearance. And also at Long Beach Airport right down the road, I got clearance. Now, when TSA wanted to decide this equip process, you had to do a, a complete, comprehensive, like a 30-page online application and also do a live scan. I filled out the application, but I did not put down any of these crimes because I did not do them. Right, right. So then they come back, they send me a letter telling me that I was dishonest by not divulging this information. Because realize, Mari, this is the situation. If I tell them that I did it, which I didn't, I would have got terminated. Exactly. I did not tell them that I did it, and I still got terminated. And you didn't have any opportunity, really, to tell them I'm a victim of criminal identity theft until they got back to you, right? That is exactly correct. See, here with, with the Customs Service and things, I was able to take care of these things locally. Right. You could go in person and say, here's my judicial clearance. Look it up, right? Exactly. So, now, so when that, yeah. TSA, forgive me for No, 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 go ahead. There's a lot to it. 
if this is all through Washington, D.C., as soon the day I received the notification from TSA that I was ineligible to work on their equipment, their equipment I've been working on for the past six years, right? I FedExed two hot FedExes to their department. Never heard anything back. Subsequently, I was put on a leave with pay, or, or, or whatever you call it, and then I was fired. Next thing I know, I was fired. And you told your manager, right, at Morpho, yeah. you explained the whole thing, right? Sure, sure, Mari. So my tell manager, them what happened at Morpho, yeah. My manager knew for at least two to three years, and the irony behind it is when my manager called me regarding the, um, not the termination, but when I was placed on leave and whatnot, he jokingly said, well, this is probably has something to do with that background thing, doesn't it? And he knew that you were a victim of criminal identity theft. Absolutely, absolutely. Because I had to turn in my tools, my BlackBerry, my equipment. I even, and I had my wife with me, I even showed them the thing again. Did you go to HR or anything and say, wait a minute? And and what did they say? HR said basically, in in a nutshell, whatever TSA wants, TSA gets. Oh. And there's nothing that they can do about it. And they didn't HR do anything. To, they didn't call them. They didn't. They didn't contact them and say, "This poor guy's a victim of criminal identity theft. He's been through this for years and years, and we've got we know this, and he's got a judicial clearance." They didn't do any of that. Not a, They did not even lift up a pinky on top of a finger. Okay, no, so then how were you? How were you terminated? They just. I mean, uh, more for detection. They just sent me a letter saying, based upon me failing the, the um, TSA equip process that they just had to terminate. They, they didn't know, to me, they didn't do any due diligence or anything to try to, A, at least allow me to try to figure it out a little bit more, which is almost impossible, and B, to tell TSA, look, the gentleman's been working with us for over five years, exemplary record. Right. You know, at least give us an opportunity to have him rectify it. Mm-hmm. But no, Marvel Detection Incorporated did absolutely nothing. Now, yeah. now we don't have a lot of time, but I don't. I definitely want to get to this. I, I, I do yes, think we should definitely thank that we've had Los Angeles uh, Sheriff's Department has since gotten you a police report. A Detective yes. Thurber has been wonderful. Yeah, thank God, you know. And we do have John Fallot on board, and we do. Yes. You do have a team that cares about you. But talk real briefly, if you can, just kind of give us an overview of what sure. this has done to your life, because we've got about one minute to do this. This has completely obliterated my life. I have my credit has been completely destroyed. I have been evicted from my place. My wife and I are virtually homeless. We are basically squatting in one of her friend's apartments. My car is about to get repossessed. Plenty of times we'll run out of gas. My wife, my then-pregnant wife, is helping me push the car. Subsequently, she's had a miscarriage. I mean, we go days without eating sometimes. You have to go to the food bank just to get food. Mm. We haven't bought clothes in over a year, so it's it's very, very, very bad. I know. It's, it has been a real uh, un- unfair situation. But I want to thank you for coming on because I, I just know that there's going to be hope for the future, that we really need to make this kind of thing public because it can, if it can happen to Stephen, who was honorably discharged from our, our military our Air Force and worked hard to get his degrees and he has never done anything that has been, you know, a criminal 
you know, event here that he he surely doesn't do the, deserve this at all. So thank you so much. I really appreciate your time, Stephen. And, and you know we're going to keep talking, and and we're trying to get you get you back to your whole whole self again. All right. Thank you so much, and most importantly, Mari, thank you for being you. You are a godsend. Thank you so much. Okay, sweetie. We'll be talking to you later. Okay. You, okay. Bye bye. You've been listening to KUCI eighty-eight point nine FM in Irvine and KUCI dot org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, host of Privacy Piracy. Join us every Monday morning at eight a.m. right here on KUCI. And visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. And thank you so much for joining us. And please write us emails about what's important to you and tell your friends to listen in. We have podcasts at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. See our upcoming guests and download podcasts. Thanks so much. Hope you'll be with us next week. Bye. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.